Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. Tonight on the bonus round, it's video game recommendation time as host Ash and returning guest host Zachary delve into five recommendations each of some of our favorite video games from our childhood. Don't go anywhere. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Gaming Bonus Round. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Zachary Gio. And tonight we are giving our video game recommendations. Woohoo! It's going to be a first. Um, this episode has definitely been delayed. I've been meaning to get this out for the past like two months or so, or I think even more than that. But anyway, we're not going to get into too much here. But this is Zach's second time on here, right, man? Yes, sir. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And um, we might be seeing more of him soon. So, <laughs> all right. But we're gonna get right into it. What is your first game, Zach? All right. So, <laughs> I spent a little bit of time on this list, but um, just coming up with it off the top of my head, the first game that popped into my head was 007 Nightfire. It was released back in 2002 for the PlayStation Two. And a little bit later for the Nintendo GameCube. And, you know, I just, I was so excited when I first got my hands on this game. I didn't get to play this game until about 2005. And at that point, I had watched and seen all of the Pierce Brosnan 007 movies. And I was absolutely in love with them. You know, I thought he was really cool. Of course, you know, Daniel Craig is here now, so we're not going to talk about that. But um, he's my favorite. But forget I said that. Um, when I started playing that game from the first mission of the campaign to my first multiplayer match with my sister and she kicked my tail. I just, I loved every, I loved every minute playing that game. You know, you could just put yourself in the world as Pierce Brosnan for the first time since Goldeneye came out. And I absolutely loved that, you know, back for 2002 graphics like that to me were insane. I was a little kid and I just loved it um, from the first mission where you're infiltrating the Russian castle during the party, I might add, during the party, to the end where you're stopping the launch of a of a spaceship. You got to go up. In, I think the mission is called Countdown, and that's the next to last mission where you have to infiltrate and go in and break down. Um, oh, my goodness. You have to break down. Oh, goodness. I'm losing it. I'm so sorry, dude. <laughs> it's all good, dude. I I've never played that one, but you know, everyone loves James Bond films and everyone has fond memories of Goldeneye. That that's usually the the 007 game that people talk about. One of my favorite games on the Nintendo 64 to this day. Yeah. 
It, this was on the 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 next era, the PS2, GameCube, Xbox generation, right? Yes, sir. I wish they had released it for Xbox, but I don't think they did. No. Okay. Well, we'll have to check that out. But anyway, yeah, the, that that sounds like a fun one. I'm mean, gonna have to get into that. I haven't. You know, I've never even played Goldeneye, actually. Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> that, okay, yeah, that's something you and I are definitely going to have to get into, or just you at some point, you know, that that game is top tier. Playing is, oh, my God, odd job with the hat that you can throw and just take people out, and you can run around with the gold gun and, yeah, the gold gun and just absolutely take people out with one shot. It was beautiful. And, I mean, the graphics weren't the best, but, I mean, what are you going to do? It's the 64. <laughs> yeah, confession time. All right. I, I've never played, but I didn't really grow up with the 64. The GameCube was my first console. My mom didn't let me play video games until I was a little bit older. I mean, I, I was in elementary school still, but... I understand that. Uh, I think my first console was the Dreamcast, and I was... I think in fourth or fifth grade and it was a valentine's day gift which i had never gotten one of those didn't even think those existed because you know back then girls were icky but <laughs> didn't really think about that but yeah you know it's it's absolutely phenomenal i 100 percent recommend that game and Nightfire doesn't stem too far from that they they stayed with the basics of you know 007 multiplayer gameplay but made it a lot more intense because not not just bringing back grenades and stuff like that, but they also brought like little shock charges into the game that you could place on walls and electrocute your enemies. And they brought heavy snipers into the game where you could. They had a winter COVID sniper and a tactical sniper that uh, the COVID sniper had uh, COVID. My bad. <laughs> the COVID sniper. <laughs> <laughs> the COVID sniper had the winter uh, tactical suppressor on it, and so you could silence silently take out your enemies and it was just so cool immersing myself in that as a little kid was just incredible and eventually i got so good at it that nobody could you know nobody wanted to play with me anymore because it was just 20 to 0 <laughs> at the end every single time but yeah 100 recommend that game if you haven't played it the story is absolutely amazing it's it's so good to go through multiple times i will say that it is extremely difficult even on the easiest difficulty just because of the way the game mechanics work the the npcs and the enemies are just you know they're they're nothing to gawk at you know they'll take you out if you're not paying attention but i will recommend there's one weapon in the game that stands above all others and there's a plasma laser that you get in the last mission where you have to take out the rocket right before it launches into space Unfortunately, you're unsuccessful, which the final mission of the game takes you into outer space and you have to do a spacewalk while fighting goons to try to stop that countdown while it before it just goes down and blows up a large corporation, which is funneling billions of dollars. But, you know, I won't spoil it for you. You go in and you enjoy the story. That's my first video game recommendation. 007 Nightfire for the PlayStation 2 or the Nintendo GameCube. If you haven't played it, you are missing out. Do yourself a favor and get a copy. And I just looked it up. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, it, it did come out on the Xbox. Yeah. Th there was other versions as well for Windows, GBA, and Mac, but it was a different version of the game. But yeah, that version of the game also came out on Xbox, apparently. Yeah, I... Oh, wow! Now that I think about it, yeah, I think I bought a copy from GameStop when they were still selling GBA games. And I played it for 20 minutes. Yeah, That's it. Uh... It was terrible. 
Oh, really? <laughs> it was putrid. Because, I mean, the graphics for that time, they weren't bad, but they were already bad enough. And putting that on the Game Boy Advance, it just didn't sit right. And nothing nothing felt right. And I was just like, no, I can't do this. Well, that was back during a time when all games came out with a portable and a console release. It was weird. Yeah. 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 They did their best to entertain everybody, those who didn't have consoles and those who had the little portable devices. So that makes sense. Yeah. Well, my first recommendation is Skate 3. Now, the skate video game series, I've mentioned it before. I think it is objectively the best skateboarding video game series. I mean, I know the Tony Hawk remasters are coming out with Pro Skater 1 and 2, but I think Skate just blows Tony Hawk out of the water. It is more realistic. The controls are more fun. Uh, and, and there's just it's just so much more... Uh, it, it's more grounded with skater culture i want to mm -hmm. say it's so much more in depth with what you can do on those games and you know yeah it was cool to be able to bust combos on tony hawk pro skater and even tony hawk's american wasteland or underground yeah or underground and it was just so groundbreaking with what you could do like you literally using the right thumbstick the way you tilted it you yeah. could just you could do i mean of course you crashed a lot if you weren't didn't know what you were doing or you bailed excuse me but, man, once you got good at that game, with the perspective, it was just fantastic. I loved it. Skate yeah. 3, Skate three, I put quite a bit of time into. Yeah, me too. And I, I've played Skate 1 and 2 as well, but 3 is definitely the best out of the series. Cannot wait say... for Skate 4. I know, and they finally announced yeah. it. Skipped an entire generation, but I'm so stoked for it. I've been waiting for years uh, for, for Skate 4, and I can't wait to see what they do on the new generation of consoles. It's going to be amazing, but Skate 3 is definitely the best that's out so far. I think 2 made the most leaps and bounds from the first game, but 3 takes everything good in 2 and it improves upon it. I like how you build your own team of skaters. I like how you have your own brand, and you can make your own skate park. There was the whole skate park creator and everything. And I remember customizing all five of my characters in the game. And I, I decided I wanted a little bit of diversity among my skaters. So, you know, I, I made sure I had minorities and women represented in my skate crew. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I had definitely pe people of color and, and, uh, and, and a woman in my, in my skate crew. That was important to me, at least to my most recent playthrough <laughs> yes sir you gotta do it but yeah no the skate 3 was number one uh i think the best skateboarding game that's ever come out and that's coming from someone who 100 percent really enjoyed like tony hawk's underground i mean that's a fun game but and i think the tony hawk series holds a lot more nostalgic value but skate just blew it out of the water my introduction to the series was actually skate it on the wii and the ds there was a skate game released for the Wii and the DS. Oh yeah. my gosh, I am so uncultured. Yeah. I had the Wii for the longest time, and it was the only thing I had. I could have been blessing my life. Yeah, there was. It was more of a spinoff, and it came out between Skate 2 and Skate 3. But uh, it's called Skate It. And yeah, it was released for both the DS and the Wii. And, and the controls were pretty cool. They introduced the Flicket system with motion controls and with... Uh, and with touch controls, and and that was pretty interesting. Not as not as uh, doesn't feel as intuitive as doing it with the thumbsticks does, but it was still a really cool system. You could even play it with the Wii Balance Board. 
Oh man, I can't even imagine the struggles that people dealt with. <laughs> now I kind of want to go buy one just to experience. <laughs> it, it wasn't very good, but you you could do it. Do you remember that Tony Hawk game that came out that was that, that you had actual a board? It was Tony Hawk Ride, I think. It was hard, and I'm saying that as a skater. Like I was a skater in you know middle school and high school, and I had trouble with it because the I mean the board just didn't work very well. But nevertheless, uh, or I guess just say nonetheless, Skate Three was the game that skaters played. So I mean, the first time I played that game, I was like, man, I was coming from Tony Hawk, and I was just like, what is this? This is weird. And then I got into it, and I started learning the controls. I was like, whoa. This is sick. This is yeah. so cool. You can do so much more. There's so much more opportunities for stuff. And playing with friends was awesome, too. Like, just doing trick battles. Oh, that's one of my favorite things about that game is playing with people. And, I mean, yeah, that was a game I feel like was more created for a solo play. But taking turns with friends and just trying to do tricks better than the other, seeing how accurately you could flick the stick... I, I remember those days fondly, and it was just, it was crazy, <laughs> all the yeah, stuff that we got into. You could play skate, and I remember you could enter other people's worlds. I can't wait to see what they do with Skate 4. I'd really like them to expand on the multiplayer component in particular, but the solo experience is... Yeah, since they're skipping, since they skipped a generation, I feel like Skate 4 is going to be absolutely mind-blowing with what the Series X and the uh, PlayStation 5 are going to be capable of and PCs nowadays if they release it on PC, which I hope they do. But I'm just, I'm so excited to see what kind of innovations they've made. It's going to be wild. Yeah, yeah. And, and Skate 3 already, it was just a, such a phenomenal game. I mean, it just came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. A PC version would be really cool. I'd like to see what they do with the Flickit control system. Yeah, with, the mouse you know, would be wild. Keyboard and the mouse. Yeah, but... Uh, I liked all the cameo appearances, or not even cameos. I mean, all the skaters in the game are like real, you know, real life pro skaters, which Tony Hawk does as well. But um, there are just so many different characters and so many different brands, not characters, but actual, you know, people. And you have like Giovanni Retta uh, is your cameraman throughout the first two games. And then uh, Shingo, who's an, a, a fictional original character, takes over in Skate 3. Yeah. If I have to say there's one low point, it's Retta is not the commentator in Skate 3 because he's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he talks so much. But um, but yeah, that, that, was, that was my number one, Skate 3. Um, what's your next game recommendation? Um, okay, so the next one that popped into my head was a game that I got early on as a kid. Um, when we got the Dreamcast, as I said, it was a... You and I were talking earlier. I told you it was a Valentine's Day gift, you know. And one of the games that we got with the Sega Dreamcast was Raymond 2, The Great Escape. And I had no idea who Raymond was, what he was about. I had no idea what was going to happen in the game. So I just turned it on and I started playing. And it took me a few months to really get into it. But once I did, it became one of my favorite games of all time. If you haven't played Raymond 2, The Great Escape, it's out on PlayStation 1 and Dreamcast possibly out for xbox i will have ashley fact check me on that because apparently i was dumbed down with nightfire <laughs> no it says it was on nintendo 64 pc dreamcast and ps1 okay 
Xbox didn't exist yet. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it came out in 1999. But, yeah, yeah. This, this game was absolutely fantastic. Uh, like I said, it was the first I had heard of Raymond. And this little guy, he looks like a puppy dog with no limbs connecting his body to his arms. He's just yeah. got floating legs and floating hands. And But progressing through the game, I felt like, as a person, I was also getting stronger. Throughout the game, you're supposed to collect these little things called lums to return the energy to the world so that you can, so that you can save the world. You know, it's in danger. And um, the first power-up you get you're able to, you know, increase the amount of time that you can flap your ears for. Because one of Raymond's biggest things, if you haven't played any of the games, is his ability to float and fly through the air using his ears. They turn into a little helicopter, and you can propel yourself. And I thought that that was <laughs> so cool. And another power-up that you got later on in the game, because Raymond can shoot little balls of energy from his hands. It's kind of like, it's almost like a boomerang effect. When you throw the little ball of energy, it comes back to your hand, and you take out enemies that way. And that's how you can also break cages to rescue the lums, which are like the little fairies that are little bits and pieces of energy that you can find all around the world. And you can collect every single one in all the worlds, or you can just go straight through the story. It's really up to you. But I had a lot of fun with that game as a kid. Ashley, do you have any Raymond experiences? Because that was my first and only game that I ever played involving Raymond. I tried to get into the others, but I just, I just couldn't. This game has so much nostalgia for me just because of where it was in my life when I grew up, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, I had played, there was a demo of a Raymond game on the 3DS that I played a little bit of, and it was pretty fun. I remember when Raymond Raving Rabbids came out, and that was a big thing. Uh, and I, I played the, the uh, Rabbids and uh, Mario crossover game. I have that game on Switch. Um, what was it called again? Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is kind of a weird combination, but um, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun game. I liked it. It was kind of this uh, strategy. Uh, or, or what, do you, what, do you, what do you call that? It's like, a, it's like an RTS in a sense. It was a, a turn-based tactical role-playing game. There you go. I was going to say it has like it's like RPG. It's actually really fun. It's really, really interesting. But, um, yeah, that, that's really my only experience with the Raymond franchise. I haven't really gotten into it. I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game as a kid, and I should have dived deeper into the series, but, you know, I just – I didn't. You know, I got caught up in – I got really big on the Zelda franchise, and that yeah. kind of took yeah. me away, you know, because <laughs> until until I got a Wii and started playing Call of Duty Black Ops, where that's for another time. <laughs> that, that that was really the only thing I played. I had the Game Boy Color, and I had a I had a GameCube, and Zelda was my main focus because I I'd just fallen in love with it. Because alongside the Dreamcast, I got a Game Boy Color with Oracle of Ages, and so yeah. But Raymond, that's that's my second pick. It's definitely a game that you should check out if you haven't played it. Raymond 2, The Great Escape. Absolutely fantastic. From world to world, the game just gets better and better. And I won't spoil anything. The power-ups are absolutely sickening. If you like games where you get power-ups over a period of time, definitely check this out. Yeah, I, I, I definitely would like to get into the Raymond franchise. I've heard a, a lot of good things about it. And it's definitely one of those... Um, one of those standout uh, platforming games that a lot of people talk about. 100%. Definitely recommend it. And, and it was made by Ubisoft back when, when it was Ubisoft. Yep. 
when it when it was when it was two words. <laughs> <laughs> but before they got into all the microtransactions and and became this notorious name that's almost as bad as EA. Oh my God! Please don't even bring EA into the conversation. <laughs> Which funny fact? EA was the developer for 007 Nightfire. <laughs> oh, man. And now they're just microtransactioning everything. That's why I don't play Battlefield anymore. Yeah. it uh, EA, I mean, um, th there's been some good hits. Fallen Order is one of the few surprising things that came out of EA. And I think it's because EA stood out of the way. And let the developers like do what they wanted to do. Yep, they didn't make it about money. They they focused entirely on the story with that game, and that to this day will be one of my favorite story ga based games. Not only because it's Star Wars, but just because it's so well done. And obviously, when you can accidentally force push a boss off a cliff and win yes. one hit, it's so good. <laughs> the best part of the game. And we definitely <laughs> touched on that in our in our Jedi Fallen Order review. Um, but it kicks Battlefront's ass, I think. 100 percent yeah even though fallen order is not multiplayer at all it's just that game is leagues above any other star wars game i've ever played oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i don't know i've heard a lot, a lot of good things about kodor but um uh, you know the jury's still out but my next recommendation is uh a, a, a crossover actually another crossover like we were talking about with raymond and the, and the rabbits or uh mario and the rabbits my bad but this was a collaboration between the Zelda series and the Dynasty Warriors. Ooh, I know where you're going with this. Hyrule Warriors. Yes. And there's a version. I, I have all three. I played the original in the Wii U. I played the 3DS port slash expansion called Legends. And I have the definitive edition on Switch. Uh, but Hyrule Warriors is a lot of fun. And... You wouldn't think it would be if you're as you know if you're a Zelda fan. It's definitely not the same kind of gameplay that you're used to. It, it's Dynasty Warriors with Zelda characters. It's Dynasty Warriors gameplay, but they managed to to bring in a lot of the Zelda aspects, like the uh, puzzle solving and the item based gameplay and the bosses. A lot of that is in there, and you can tell the developers really were um, fans of the series. There are a lot of references to. Every Zelda game practically exists somewhere in the game. Yeah, and there was so much detail that they put in just the map. Like, yeah. everywhere you look, there was a reference to some game. Like, Hyrule Field was perfect. The way they did it, just they made it long and vast, but giving you checkpoints to go to, like Hyrule Castle and, you know, Zora's Domain and all of these things that made just made the game so much better. And at first, I didn't really care for it too much just because, you know, it wasn't Zelda-like gameplay. I bought that game thinking it was going to be another Zelda game, and I was sorely disappointed, but only for about 20 minutes until I started realizing, hey, I can take out massive groups of Baka Blends with Link, and it's just <laughs> its incredible. This is what I've always wanted, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> it's so fun, just, just completely taking out armies as a Zelda character. And, and let me tell you, I've been playing it I've been playing all these games recently, but I've been playing the shit out of you know Hyrule Warriors, and I beat the campaign again, um, and I'm going through adventure mode again, and I have leveled Link up so high past the other characters. Like I can j make any level on adventure mode my bitch right now. Or at least on, at least on the first map. I know the other ones are harder, but <laughs> Link is in like the like level is he in the 60s right now because I just complete 
completely focused solely on his character. Like, even if a, if a map asks for one character, but gives you the option to play as a second, which it does in the Definitive Edition and the Legends version, because you can switch between characters, um, I'll, I'll, I'll add Link, and I'll just make that entire level so easy. And I can level up the other character a little bit, but Link, Link allows me to beat every level, because I've just leveled him up so high <laughs> compared to the other characters. I mean, if you don't make Link OP, are you a true Zelda fan? Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I had so much fun with that. Yeah, you know he has to be. Um, yeah, I'm, I just got my Wii U back recently, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on another copy of Hyrule Warriors just to experience it again because, it, like you said, it's different from the series, but it's beautiful in its own way. And you know the the way they ma- uh, mixed it up with Dynasty Warriors is just perfect. Yeah, it, it's a love letter to the fans, and I'm definitely waiting for a sequel to Hyrule Warriors, which I expect there will be because it was a hit. Um, I, I believe it did really well, actually, commercially and critically, but it definitely took me by storm. I, I got hooked on the gameplay right away, um, and, I, and I keep thinking about ideas for what kind of characters they could bring in and, and what kind of stages they could bring into the next one. I gotta say, Groose needs to make it in Hyrule Warriors 2. And then there's a perfect weapon that would be available for him. It can be the mini Grusinator. <laughs> it, it would be like it would be like basically like a makeshift like grenade launcher essentially. Yes. Made out of like that has the aesthetic of the Grusinator from Skyward Sword, but it launches just bombs around. It would be a fire type weapon and reloads so much quicker, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I will say Groose made the second imprisoned fight so much easier and you got to love him for that because I, I hated him so much at the beginning of Skyward Sword yeah. because he was like any other typical bully. And then, then you love him so much. Mm-hmm. Because he, he gets so goofy and so embarrassed around Zelda. It's hilarious. And you realize just how weak of an ego he has. He's just got to be perfect. But if they added him to Hyrule Warriors 2, yes, I will still make Link OP. Not to disgrace Zelda fans out there. But Groose, I will use him so much just to fling bombs at enemies i would love to blow up a pack of baka with a giant bomb <laughs> and, and what's not to love there's so many characters in this game i mean you have link you have zelda you have ganondorf you have Sheik, impa uh, and, and these are all their own incarnations of the of the characters hyrule warrior's own timeline but you, they also bring in characters from other timelines. So you've got Darunia and Ruto from Ocarina of Time. And you've got Xant uh, and Midna and Agatha from Twilight Princess. And you've got uh, Fai and Girahim, or Girahim, and I'm not sure how it's pronounced exactly, from Skyward Sword. And you've also got uh, new characters, Lana and Sia and... Uh, her minions um what's his face uh volga and wizro and then you've got uh so 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 many characters i mean they introduced the wind waker characters i remember in the the legends version so you have toon link and tetra and king daphnis um there's so many dlc characters as well i remember getting young link from uh, Majora's Mask, and he turned into Fair State of Link, and it's badass. And you've got fucking Tingle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a game that does not line itself up with the actual series, I'm really happy that they put so much effort and so much detail into bringing in bits and pieces from every single game. And that's mainly the characters, just because 
when you add a new character from a specific game, it adds so much more meat to it. It adds so much more nostalgia for people that have actually played those games. You yeah. know, it gives them a reason to want to come in and play the game. Like, oh, well, Wind Waker's my favorite game. Toon Link's in this game. You better fucking believe I'm about to jump on this train. You know, yeah. Let's get it. I want to, I want to, <laughs> oh, dude, I love the cartoon animations from the Wind Waker. And I don't think I played Legends, but did they add the cartoon animations for the bombs in, in Hyrule Warriors? Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, in, man. In some of the stages. Now, not, not when Toon Link uses the regular bombs, but I think some of the stages do that with like the cannons and shit because I, I love i love the wind waker graphics and it's so interesting seeing the wind waker you know cel-shaded characters stand with the rest of the like more realistic characters in hyrule warriors yep it's a really interesting uh just juxtaposition there but it's a lot of fun and hyrule warriors is definitely recommended whether you're a dynasty warriors fan whether you're a zelda fan you should definitely check it out got to experience it all right. Well, let's move on to our next set. Ooh, <laughs> my third recommendation for the night. Um, let's see. Um, when I was a kid, a Game Boy Advance is something I really wanted to have, and my third recommendation for the night is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. That game for me was one of the most fun experiences I have ever had playing a Game Boy Advance game just because I had already loved Mario and Luigi going into it but I didn't have a lot of experience with anything other than you know Super Mario Bros or uh, Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance 3 I played the hell out of that game like five ten times over it was ridiculous but Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga was amazing for me just because not only could you play as both Mario and Luigi but it had a leveling up system where you could gradually get stronger throughout the entire game where you would be going across the world and you'd run into an enemy that's randomly scurrying across the ground. And, you know, I, what do you remember the name of the thief from Mario and Luigi and Superstar Popple. Saga? Pop, Hopple? Popple. Popple. Okay. You run into him like three or four times and I swear your relationship with him gets so much better throughout the thing. And I, I you know, it's just, Playing that game and leveling up Mario and Luigi up until you finally face Bowletta at the end of the game, yeah. which, by the way, that fight takes way too long if you are not a high enough level. If you're not level 50 and up, that, that fight will take you at least half an hour. She has so much health, and her attacks are so hard to dodge. She has a, a heart laser that she fires at you. Her claws are impossible to <laughs> jump over and dodge. You know, and I love, I love the character designs in that game. Yes. Of course, of course, you know Mario and Luigi, Bowser, Peach. They're all going to look the same. But Cacletta, she was fantastic. She looked like this green, buggy-eyed alien monster crack thing that was just tackled. <laughs> yes. I can't even. I can't even emulate it. And Fawful. Oh, he's such a great character. Oh my gosh, with his little beam helmet. That oh, ugh, I love him so much. But. There was just so much stuff that you could do in that game, and I, I really need to pick it up and play it again. But that's definitely my third recommendation. If you haven't played it, go through it and do it, because I think I don't think there's a level cap on that game either. You can just go around the world and beat the mess out of people, uh, unless there is. If there is, I never reached it. I, I, I never. So there might be some of the later games, but I love, love, love the Mario and Luigi RPG series. It is definitely one of my favorites. Um, I actually referenced it in one of the earlier bonus round episodes, our first episode, which was top five boss fights. 
I referenced Bowser's Inside Story, which is my favorite of the franchise as well, but Superstar Saga is really close behind it because it's definitely probably my second. I've played all of the games. I have all of them. I, I've played both of the remakes, the Superstar Saga remake on 3DS, uh, Superstar Saga plus Bowser's Minions, and then there's Bowser's Inside Story plus uh, Bowser Jr.'s Journey, and they're both in, in, in incredible remakes. Um, definitely, I think, a lot of quality of life improvements and um, uh, just just great enhancements of the original. But the originals still hold up to this day. I love, like you said, the art style. I love the gameplay. Um, I, I definitely think of the two, Mario and Luigi RPG series stands up higher for me than the Paper Mario series. Although I love the Paper Mario series as well. But um, of, of, of those two RPG side stories uh martin luigi stands up for me just because i love the humor i love the story i love the characters i love that uh, you know i love the artwork not a fan of how the artwork changed because i know how you mentioned all the characters designs were you know in the superstar saga were really really great and even martin luigi's design was originally a little bit different there's subtle differences yeah um between their main series design and then over time they kind of started shifting to the mainstream design in the later games when they when they moved to the 3ds so and the remakes kind of reflect that so th th that's one of the only downsides but uh, uh you know other than that i mean the series is still phenomenal I love the battle system. I love how you can counter attacks when they're coming at you. Yeah, um, when you can jump on their head prior to a fight and they'll start yeah. the fight taking damage. That yes. that adds a really good advantage to you, especially if you're at a lower level and the common enemies that run around are just a little bit too tough for you at times. It helps to get an advantage because it'll stun them too. And I think my favorite item in the game to work with is the hammer. The hammer is fantastic and it will always be fantastic in any mario game and i also love that you can do team-based attacks where yes. you what was it a hit what were the bro points they were bro points bro points and, yeah <laughs> you could use bro points to like mario would stand in one uh spot and luigi would get in front of him and duck down and mario would run jump off the top no 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 no, no. i'm getting it backwards mario would duck down and luigi would go back and jump off the top and they would spin off of each other into each enemy and just, it would do like, even at a base level, it would do like 24, 25 damage and little enemies would just get knocked out. I loved the system of attacking together using bro points. I loved the hit point system, the items that you could collect, like the mushrooms, the, oh, it was just the bro points, potions, the syrups. The syrups were my favorite things in the game just because yeah. it made me want to, you know, eat syrup. But that's yeah. another <laughs> that's another topic. But, yeah, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga is definitely a big-time heavy hitter for me. And if I could go back and play it right now, which, you know, my laptop is right next to me, so why not fire it up and get the old emulator going, <laughs> have it going. But, yeah, that's definitely number three for me. Um, one of my favorite games of all time. We'll definitely play it again very soon. How about you, Ashley? What's your number three? Well... I also wanted to mention I, 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 w one thing I really loved about Mario and Luigi better than the other games because I wanted to hop off of what you said about the bros attacks. Um, I do think that the first game, Superstar Saga, does the bros attacks better than any other game. I love how every time you unlock ability in, in the overworld, you unlock it in the battle. 
Yeah, and that includes the bros attacks as well, which is something that wasn't reflected in the other games. The bros attacks became more item based in the other games, and um, w- with them actually being straight up items in the sequel, Partners in Time. But in the later games, you know, they're, they're, it's like Green Shell and, and Fire Flower, and they're. I loved the way the bros attacks worked in the first game. And I loved in the first game that you could switch between Mario and Luigi and have one in the lead and one in the rear. Uh, something that wasn't done in the, in the, in the following games. Um, and in the remake, they kind of altered it a little bit, but you, you can still have Luigi in front. So I like that you could switch between them. It made the system a little complicated, but fun nonetheless. Yeah, once you got yeah. it down pat, it was so smooth, and it was so much fun. Once you got really good at that game, the combat was just flawless. And, and, and the combat is, is just great. And, yeah. I will also add on, sorry to interrupt there, bud. I will also good. add on that I have never played a game, and this is including the Zelda franchise. God forgive me for saying this. But I've never played a game where I was so much, I was full of anticipation for each boss fight. Each boss fight was better than the last, and it was just there was one boss fight where you fight a barrel of soda. Yes, and it is <laughs> the Chocola Cola. The Chocola Cola was one yeah. of, it was so hard the first time I played it, and I died so many times. But me you know too. what? It was fantastic. Gotta love the props to the producers and the game designers for putting that together because it doesn't get much more creative than that. Like who else can say in a video game they fought a barrel of soda? No, who else could say? It, it is just mind-blowing how, how well every boss battle was done. And I love the environments. And I, I just, yeah, it, it is a fantastic game. Fran- fantastic series. And yeah. rest in peace, Alpha Dream. Um, rest in peace. I'm so sad to hear that they bankrupted. Yeah, you told me that the other day. And I felt it in my soul a little bit. Just because the Alpha Dream team it was just... They made one of my favorite games of all time will forever be in my heart. And I just, man, that's pretty much what they're known for. Yeah. I would have loved to see the Mario and Luigi series get ported to switch and move to 3d. That would have been really, really, really cool. Yeah. The way, Oh man, I can't even imagine what they could have done. There's so many possibilities. Like bros attacks in 3d would be amazing. Amazing. Especially I like how, when you're going through a bros attack, just to add one more thing, the button timing. Yes. How depending on how well you timed it was how much damage it would do. And you know, that was cool to me. And seeing that in a 3D space would just blow my mind because it would probably add a level of difficulty that would make the game a lot more interesting. And it's already fantastic. So come on, blow me away. They they, they kind of toy with it a little bit in the 3DS installments. They 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 use a little bit of the 3D space, but it's it's 2.5D. The characters are still sprites. But anyway, my third game is Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Kind of cut it off there because I could talk about Mario and Luigi forever. I me uh, too, brother. I got you. <laughs> but yeah, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I'm a huge fan of the first game. Uh, and originally, before I started playing Catalyst again in preparation, I. I think I like the first game better. Now, I think I like them both for different reasons. But one of the things that I remember playing when I thinking when I was playing the original Mirror's Edge is, man, this game needs to be open world. Like, I would love to play this gameplay in an open world. And that's what Catalyst did. It brought it to the open world. And it definitely changed the gameplay in a lot of ways. It took a little bit of away of what was in the first game, yeah, which was I think kind of the speed running component, but at the same time, 
it opens up so many more possibilities that it's just a distinctly different game for me. Yeah, you could argue and say that it opens up for much more creative speedrunnings just because, oh, I love the design of that game. It's so beautiful, but there's so many different paths that you can take. Of course, the main area is a little bit linear from going back to the base where everybody is and going to each mission to, uh, what what are they, pigeon messages? You can, no, not pigeon, no, no, there's no pigeon messages in that game. What is wrong with me? No, the data packs that you can pick off of the little cases on the walls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember those, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I loved the first game just because it was so much more story-driven, but the second game kept the story element but added just this big, open, beautiful city that you could just explore almost every inch of. And I loved that. I loved the time trials in that game because you could literally choose you could choose more than one way to do it the quickest way possible, which, whereas in the first game, it was just how fast could you get through it. Yeah. And I liked how other players could create their own challenges in the world, and you could play those while you were yes. just traveling around. And the game introduced a, a kind of um, a, a, a guideline, what do they call it, runner vision, that would show you the uh, easiest path through. But you could go through and you could find your own path and, and do things a little bit faster. So I usually had runner vision on to kind of give me an idea of where to go, which kind of takes away some of the elements of the first game that made it great. But at the same time, it's good because you can run against that and find your own pathways through as well. And you can turn it off if you want and not use runner vision at all. Or um, I think there's even ways you can tweak it and just have like certain items highlighted, but not have the trail and things like that. But um, yeah, no mirror's edge catalyst definitely brings a lot of really fun elements to the franchise. Um, it's interesting. We waited so long between Mirror's Edge 1 and Mirror's Edge Catalyst that eventually Catalyst ended up going from a sequel or even a prequel to just a full-on reboot. Yep. And I love what they did with Faith. Faith was such an iconic character for me in the first game, and I loved the art style that they did for the cutscenes. Yes. Almost to like an anime format, and that was beautiful to me. But in the second game, they kept it... I, I, I wouldn't say live action, goodness me. Uh, the terms escape me, but I loved the cutscenes and the interactions between the characters, and just Faith as a whole, to me, was a much more prominent character in Catalyst, and that's another reason why I enjoyed the game so much. You know what else I look, love about both games is how combat is somewhat optional. I mean, there's some situations where you do have to fight your way through, but um, it's it's definitely a lot of situations where you can skip past it. And the focus of the game is to run as quickly as you can and just keep it up and don't slow down and just keep moving through the environment and never stop. And you can take out enemies. You know, I love the combat system in Catalyst. I love how you can take down enemies, you know, just run off a wall and then kick them in the head and you can uh, kick them in the legs and you can knock them into other enemies or knock them over the edge. Yeah, there were a lot more options in Catalyst for how to deal with enemies. And it felt like, I also liked how the enemies in Catalyst had health bars. In the first game, you just kind of had to wing it and hope, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And a lot of those combat scenarios were difficult because they had firearms that you could knock out of their arms and pick up, but they yeah. had so little ammo in them that you could take out one, but then you immediately have to go in and disarm the next one, which is great if you love a challenge, but it sucks if you're just trying to experiment with the weapons, which I was big on that. I, I loved being able to pick up the weapons and experiment with those, but the game is about running, and you have to try to avoid... You know, I 
personally feel like you'd have to try to avoid combat as much as possible, but yeah, you're going to have to deal with them from time to time. Yeah, the game definitely encourages avoiding combat when not possible. I mean, even some of the loading screens mention it. And what's interesting is in the, the first game, there are firearms, but in the second game, there are none. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that there are a lot of players who try to play through. I, I mean, I saw this as a challenge was playing through Mirror's Edge without picking up weapons. Which you can do. You can play through the entire first game without picking up firearms, um, except at the very, very, very end, you do have to use you do have to use a gun to knock out some servers or whatever. But uh, the second game just took away the firearms completely and kind of made it made a point of it that it was it was going to have no we- no guns in it, and I-, I think it definitely developed into a very different game as a result. And I think some people were disappointed that it was so different from the original, but. Like I said, I appreciate both games for different reasons, and I'm glad that we have them both. And I'd love to see what they would do with the series in the future. Yes, I think the PS5 and the Xbox Series X have potential to create or house mind-blowing games of that level. A third Mirror's Edge game on these next-generation consoles, who knows what they could do? Because the power behind these things is insane. And, you know, with as much as they added into Catalyst, they'll be able to add so much more to another installment. And I can't wait to see what they might do with that in the future. Cause this generation may last another five or six, maybe even seven years. I mean, the Xbox one came out in what? 2013. Mm-hmm. And they're Something releasing like the series X in uh, November, I believe. Did, did they have the release date on that? I don't think so, but uh, they're both going to be in time for the holidays. I know that. Yeah. So and that gives it about a seven year time span to really, you know, feel things out because who knows, technology is growing and it might, you know, just expand faster than we've ever seen it. And that's about how long it took from from the first Mirror's Edge to Catalyst 2. It was, it was a long development time, kind of like uh, Elder Scrolls and Fallout and, uh, and uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, and Red Dead and uh, yeah, uh, Grand Theft Auto, they all have like just long periods of time in between because they're great games, and you know great games take a long... And Zelda, you know, and Metroid. God. We're not even going to talk. Without, we're not even going to talk about... <laughs> You're going to have me in tears on this. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, we we just talked about the Prime series last time, and I'm I'm still like... I'm still kind of mad that they haven't released a new game yet. I mean, Samus Returns is fantastic. I started playing that again, by the way. And that that game is beautiful. That the way they incorporate the 3D cutscenes in the two point or two point five D space is just absolutely phenomenal. I love what they've done with it. So but yeah, Mirror's Edge Catalyst is it's a beautiful game and I'm I'm really happy that it's on your list because, you know, I haven't gotten to talk about it much. I pre ordered it. I pre-ordered it about four and a half weeks before it came out, and every day I would check my Xbox just to look at the date. I was like, this game is about to come out. Because I was I f- waiting for it. Yeah, I first played Mirror's Edge back in 2007, I think, with my friend uh, Joseph. We were at his house, and you know, he showed me this game. He was like, dude, check this out. This woman does parkour. And he didn't know much about the story. I was like, what? Show me now. And so after a long wait, it was definitely worth it. It's a parkour game, and it, it's a, it's so much fun, and I love uh I mean I I love everything about it, and I I was just I was I had a, so much in, anticipation for Catalyst, and I was so happy when it came out. It's also one of the few first person games where you can actually see your feet. 
Yes, right? When you're doing rolls or when you're jumping over fences and you have to shrink your body down. Yeah. It... And you can look down and see your feet. Yep. <laughs> and see yourself in the mirror. Yeah, and the shadow. Like, I'm glad they got the shadows right. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I know that's a little thing that doesn't mean much, but to me it does. Like, if you're playing Ocarina of Time and the shadows are just like little ovals underneath your feet, it's just... Yeah. Granted, that's a huge difference in time, but hey, you know. Yeah. Well, and just, I don't know why so many first-person games don't let you see your feet. I mean, have you ever noticed that? It's such a weird thing. Well, I know why. They didn't want to spend the time to you know program feed in and then it just became a standard but mirror's edge stood apart from that and um i was gonna say something else about it and oh we will talk about the first game and so at some point it's it's gonna come up on the podcast that's why i didn't put it on the list i kind of wanted to throw in things that i feel are underrated or are less mainstream into my list although i think everything i picked was something that was kind of fairly mainstream for the most part but <laughs> but anyway um i guess let's move on to our next set okay uh so for my next game um i picked another gba game you know if you're a huge fan of turn-based games and you're gonna love me on this one but fire emblem the sacred stones um i got first introduced to this game back in like 2008 and it came out in 2004 but i had never been a huge fan of turn-based games simply because i had never really played them the first turn-based game that i had ever played was sonic shuffle on the dreamcast um back in like 2003 when that game was awesome but it made me mad because it was like a knockoff of mario party and as much as i love mario party that game is enraging but fire emblem <laughs> is phenomenal just because um it takes you to a story where you are following the lives of erika and ephraim two uh siblings of royalty that are fighting to protect their kingdom and, you know, this game is amazing to me because, of course, it's on a Game Boy, so the graphics aren't that powerful. But um, the different worlds that you get to explore and everything is just phenomenal. The different monsters and enemies that you encounter, um, since it's turn-based, of course, you have a set number of players per turn. And you have paladins, you have sword masters, you have archers, you have... Uh, specific characters like Arika and Ephraim are royalty and they have their own specific weapons. Like Arika carries a, a rapier, a sword meant for fighting cavalry and Ephraim is a lance wielder. And so um, he specializes in taking on like armored soldiers and stuff like that. But those games are really, that game was really fun to me just because it opened my eyes to the world of turn-based games. And I love that. And what, what would you consider the uh, style of of a turn-based game like that the style like how do you mean Nah, not necessarily style but it's not a, i wouldn't say it's an rpg i've never been good at analyzing that kind of stuff but you know thinking about that game i feel like i should know specifically what type of game it is you know it's turn-based and so i'm just i guess i'm kind of over analyzing it a little bit here but you know that game is phenomenal so I'm just trying to think about it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, I've never gotten into the Fire Emblem series, but I, you know, I've played all the characters in Super Smash Brothers. I know Nintendo has a lot of love for the franchise. And originally, prior to Melee, it was a Japanese-only series. It was after Melee that the game kind of got a Western audience because people were interested. Well, who the hell is Marth and Roy, you know? <laughs> Roy, 
Roy was in a game that was only released in Japan, and the way you play it in English was you had to download an emulator and get a translator for it. It was called Fire Emblem, The Sealed Sword. It was like Yinshi no Saga or something like that. I, I can't remember the name of it, but that's where Roy was first introduced. And um, the game that comes after that, Fire Emblem 7, the main characters are uh, Elliewood, Hector, and Lynn. Elliewood is Roy's father, so you get to learn where uh, Roy came from, and you get to learn how his father defended uh, their country before he came in, you know, because it's 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 basically a game that talks about countries at war with each other until they discover an evil presence that is basically behind it all. And you go in throughout the chapters. Uh, Sacred Stones has 20 chapters. The final chapter, you go in and you discover that the Demon King is behind all of this evil that's happening between the countries that are fighting each other. And, you know, I, I really wish they had given, like, a mantra to the Demon King or something like that in um, Super Smash Bros. or something like that, just because it was such a difficult fight, man. Uh, if you play it on hard mode, the final boss has so many more moves. Like, each character has a specific set of moves that they can do. Like, um, of course, it's turn-based, so when you initiate a fight sequence, the characters take turns. Like, you'll hit and you have a certain percentage of whether or not you'll hit them, you'll do a critical, or and then vice versa. Your enemy will take the turn, and if they have a high chance of hitting you, they're going to hit you. There's weapon triangles and magic triangles, like swords beat axes, axes beat lances, and lances beat swords. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's really awesome, and if you're dealing with a magic wielder, there's dark magic and light magic. There's also anima magic, which is kind of like a mix between the two. Light beats dark anima beats light and dark beats anima so it's it's really cool the way you get to see all of it turn out i wish i had more details but when you asked about the list i just that game popped into my head i was like oh i played that game like seven times as a kid just because in certain chapters there are these places called arenas where you can go and wager the money that you've got to strengthen your characters and level them up each character has a level cap of 20 and once you get them to that level, you can find a pendant or an artifact in the game that allows them to change classes and upgrade. And so I just I spent a lot of time on it and I, I really enjoyed it. If you haven't played Fire Emblem, the Sacred Stones and you've got a GBA lying around and you can somehow get on Amazon or eBay and find somebody who's a blessing enough to just sell you a copy, you know, just get into it. It's really fun. I would highly recommend this game. And I would love to get in. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say shout out to my friend Will for showing me this game. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely love to get into the Fire Emblem series. And, you know, I'm a sucker for, for turn-based games, uh, turn-based RPGs. I mean, I love, you know, uh, Final Fantasy, um, Pokemon. <laughs> but uh, and Paper Mario, I mean, we mentioned that earlier. That's another, at least the first couple games are turn-based. And... Martin Luigi is turn-based as well. It is. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even say that. It's turn-based with free exploration, I guess you would say. Right, right, exactly, which a lot of turn-based games do. Um, my number four is Batman Arkham Asylum. I think this is probably the most mainstream game out of the list, but I, I decided picking Arkham Asylum was, was good because it, it's definitely the oldest game, and I think it's one of the more overlooked and uh, underrated games of the series, just because Arkham City is just so much better, and Arkham Knight is obviously is phenomenal as well. And a lot of people don't talk about Origins, so I suppose that would have been a good one to talk about. But Arkham Asylum just really was the first game to just 
really, and I I know it's gonna sound cliche, but it's it, it was the first game to make you feel like Batman. Yes, one hundred percent. And I don't blame you for not choosing Origins because really the only memorable moment from that game, for me, uh, forgive me if I'm you know <laughs> causing anybody's blood to boil, but I only really like the fight with Deathstroke in that game. That's one of the highlights, and I, I, I like the crime scenes in Origins. Those were cool. And Origins didn't use the same voice actors for the characters. No, it did it. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Yeah, he Mark Hamill was not the Joker. Kevin Conroy was not Batman. And right away, I was like, okay, I, I can't play. I can't enjoy this game. But Arkham Asylum is phenomenal. It's just so good. It's so good. All the way up until the final fight with Joker. It's just so good. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was kind of weird, but but it's a fun fight. No, I just love Arkham Asylum. It has definitely like the best atmosphere. There is something unique about Arkham Asylum that isn't quite in the other games. And even though like Arkham City is objectively superior in every other way, it, it expands on everything that Arkham Asylum does well and, and just makes it even better. There is just something about Asylum, about being in that closed-in area with Joker having taken over, and, and you just kind of feel the the gravity of the situation. And, and you're see, isolated. Yes! And and, and also, you're, you kind of see the Asylum transform over time, and different enemies occupy. It gets even worse than it already is. Yes! <laughs> I love how, you know, originally you see the guards around and then later Joker's goons and then later the fucking psychos take over and kill all the goons. And then uh, Poison Ivy's plants take over and kill all the psychos. Oh, man, it's just one giant Batman infested snowball. Oh, and, and then the free flow combat system, detective mode, um, all the gadgets that you could use, all the many, many references to uh, batman villains in the comics and you know it's the one thing everyone says about the game but you know it really makes you feel like batman it's because it's true and everything that made spider-man ps4 so great i think owes to the batman arkham series for showing that you could have a good superhero game in fact i mean there's a lot of comparisons spider-man ps4's gameplay is actually pretty similar to arkham series but you know with with spider-man instead and that's not a bad thing to say. This is the way that superhero games should be. I love the stealth comp gameplay. I love that it, it 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 touched on every aspect of Batman's character, including you know him being a detective. I mean, there have been plenty of Batman games over the years, but none meet, reach the quality of the Batman Arkham series. No, not at all. Not at all. And honestly. Arkham Asylum was the first game I ever played that incorporated a skill tree where you could just unlock stuff throughout the game just to make yourself stronger, to make yourself more powerful. And it was really cool watching the story unfold. And I I haven't played Arkham Asylum in a long time. I think I played it back in 2013 was the first time I played it. So it's been some time. But, man, the I'm actually working on Arkham Knight right now and thinking about it. It's just really cool to see how far the Arkham series has come. And I think they're going to, what is it? What's the next game that's going to come out? Gotham Knights? Gotham Knights. And it's not part of the universe, and it's it's very different gameplay, but it looks interesting. It does look interesting, and it kind of makes me sad that they're not making another Arkham game. But I think with the big, if, if well, 
I don't want to say that because that might be spoilers for people that haven't seen the Gotham Knights trailer. If you haven't seen it, go check it out because it kind of gives some clarity to the end of uh, the Arkham series if you've played it. I think Gotham Knights did come out of a Garth, of a Arkham sequel. At some point, the game was meant to be a sequel to Arkham Knight, and that shows because the premise of Gotham Knights is so similar to the ending of Arkham Knight, if not just for a few things that make the continuity just not work between the two. Um, and then they did confirm it's a separate universe, but it originally came out of what was what was going to be an Arkham sequel, and then it eventually turned into Gotham Knights. Um, is, is what I've heard. Originally, there was going to be a game where you, I think you actually played as Damian Wayne. Yeah. Um, but then there were other, you know, I heard other rumors that they were going to have uh, WB Games Montreal take over again instead of Rocksteady. Um, and then they did Arkham uh, Arkham Origins and, and do another, like, uh, interquel game between uh, Origins and Asylum because there's a lot of room there for it. But either way... Um, what I did hear is that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League does take place in the Arkhamverse, which doesn't make any sense because Deadshot's black and King Shark looks totally different and is alive, but... Uh, you got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. And honestly, I really hope that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is so much better than the first movie because the first movie was a letdown. But at the same time, they had a solid casting for it. Oh, I loved Will not, Smith not the movie. as Deadshot. This is a video game. Oh, no, not, not not to be confused with James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I am so sorry, everyone. Please forgive me. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> this was just announced at at Fandom, so the same day Gotham Knights was announced. Okay, well, my apologies, but hey, you know. Hopefully, in every way, it's still better than the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked about it on Collateral Cinema. and uh, I'm kind of an apologist for the movie. Uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I, there, there are things of it that I like, but I know that James Gunn's version is going to be so much better. And I hope that this game is really going to be really, really, really good. Um, don't know anything about the gameplay yet. They just released like kind of a story trailer so or teaser. Well, that's going to be interesting. I'm definitely going to have to check that out since... Very obviously, I didn't know very much about it. <laughs> and Rocksteady's behind it, so. Ooh, okay, well then, yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah, Rocksteady's developing it, whereas uh, Gotham Knights is, I, I think, by WB Games Montreal. But anyway, let's move on to our final picks of the night. Ooh, okay. So my final pick and the one of the biggest heavy hitters of probably my entire gaming life, um, The Grinch. Um, if you're okay. a fan of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, then this is the game for you. This, uh, let me check really quick and make sure I've got the release date right. Yeah, it was released in 2000 for the Sega Dreamcast and the PlayStation 1. And this, if you've seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas, this basically takes that entire plot and puts it into a video game format. You start the game up on Mount... Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, man, you start the game up in the Grinch's lair on the top of the mountain, and he's planning his plot to take Christmas from the Who's, and there's a gust of wind that blows all of his blueprints out into <laughs> out, out into the land, and you spend the game hunting down 
the blueprints for all because these are blueprints for gadgets that you can use in the game like the octopus climbing device you can use that device to climb on ice walls to get to the top of things the rocket spring where you can um just launch onto higher ledges you have a an egg shooter throughout the game you use rotten eggs as fuel for all of your devices you can hold up to 200 rotten eggs and you can use these to just absolutely wreak havoc on people there's a slime shooter where you can coat who's in slime made out of rotten eggs and this game is absolutely phenomenal to me because this is a game that i grew up playing with my dad and this was something my dad isn't much of a gamer but this is a game that my dad has beat far more than i have and he still plays it to this day i'll get up in the morning sometimes to get some schoolwork done and he'll be playing the grinch and i'll just have a little moment of emotion and sometimes i'll sit down and play it with him because there are still parts that he comes to that he can't quite figure out and I'll sit down and I'll be like, okay, let me see if I can remember this. But that game is phenomenal because just like at the end of The Grinch, uh, (laughs) your heart grows two sizes bigger and you return everything and you make it right. And I I think one of my favorite things about the game is the final, final, I guess you could call it a final boss, but it's more of a final encounter more than anything. You're chasing Santa while he's on his sleigh, while he's dropping presents down (laughs) to everybody in Whoville and you got to shoot him down with your sleigh that you've gone around the world collecting parts for. There's there's four main areas in the game that you can go to. There's Whoville, there's the swamp, or not the swamp, excuse me, the Whoville dump where everybody dumps their trash. There's uh, the Who Forest, which is like a winter wasteland. <laughs> and there's Who Lake, where <laughs> the Boy Scouts of Whoville go and hang out. And, you, and in each area... <laughs> there are 10 missions that you have and it's just basically sabotaging everything in Whoville. You can sabotage the mail. You can fire rotten eggs into open windows. You can go inside the mayor's office and deface his statue. And basically you carve it up to where he's wearing a sombrero and a tutu. It's hilarious. And just this game is so nostalgic for me because I've, I've put a lot of hours into it and it's just, it's got a lot of memories attached to the time I've spent with my dad. <laughs> Actually, have you ever heard of this game? Have you ever played it? <laughs> I've never played it, but you know, it reminds me from what you're talking about. It kind of reminds me of the a series of an unfortunate events GBA game. I don't know if you ever played that, but it kind of had you had different gadgets that you would that you would unlock throughout the game, and I remember beating that and having a lot of fun with that for j- just another movie tie-in game on the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. Um, I haven't played a lot of movie tie-in games, but I do know that if any of them got it right, it was definitely The Grinch. They followed the plot perfectly. Um, You had so much fun running around as The Grinch, just terrorizing everybody. There were presents laying around the world that you could do a... you, You did this thing where you wouldn't double jump, but you'd jump and you'd tap A again and you would just butt slam something. You would... (laughs) crush stuff with your butt there's presents all over the land some are worth one present some are worth 10 and you just jump and squash it with your butt and it's amazing because of course you get a special ending if you do 100 percent. but there was so much stuff to do and for a game released in 2002 this blew my mind based on a movie yeah based on a movie and i was just like games are usually not good (laughs) not at all i mean i think my favorite feature in the game though was you use the Grinch's bad breath as a weapon. You could, walk, <laughs> you, could, you could walk up to Who's and just breathe on them. And they would either pass out 
get scared and run away. And every time they would do that, they would uh, leave a present behind. You could shoot who's with uh, eggs and they would leave a present behind. You could butt pound who into the ground and they would leave a present behind. It was just, there was so much stuff you could do. And for such an old game, it was just, it was awesome to me. It's a game that I could go in right now after we, you know, finish talking about this. I could just go into the living room and play it right now just because it's so iconic for me and it's it's wonderful. And that's why that's my final pick tonight because no other game has really stood out to me that much. I play a lot of Zelda and I play a lot of Metroid and I'm a huge Call of Duty fan. Please don't hate me. But to this day, I can't think of a game that I've put more time into except Breath of the Wild but everybody's put so much time into Breath yeah. of the Wild. But that game, The Grinch, will always have a special place in my heart. And I just, dude, actually, <laughs> bro, if you, if you can get your hands on this game, it will, it will make you laugh, and you will just have an absolute blast playing it. And just to be clear, this is, this is based on the Jim Carrey version, right? Well, this one came out at, uh, way before the Jim Carrey version. But it's basically the same plot. Okay. When did, wait, when did the Jim Carrey version come out? Because if it was before two thousand two, same time. Yeah, it was in it was in two thousand. Oh, in two thousand. So yeah, then this Grinch game was based on the Jim Carrey version, one hundred percent. And you know, I <laughs> they did it perfectly. Everything about the game was amazing. I mean, you could literally run and just tackle the giant Christmas tree in the middle of Whoville just to bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much stuff that you could do. We we we, uh, we did uh, the how the Grinch stole Christmas as our uh, Christmas special on Collateral Cinema this past season. Yeah, and, and there's so much to love. See, there's another tie-in. The series of unfortunate events also had Jim Carrey. So there you go. I guess Jim Carrey's just perfect for these kinds of roles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, say, say what you will about his personal life. I mean, he's an anti-vaxer. That's kind of that's not so fashionable, but. He's a genius. He is a genius. Comedic, is, on screen, in every yeah. way possible. He, he is a genius, besides the whole anti-vax thing. He's, he's, he's a great actor. He's extremely talented. And I, and I love every role that he plays. I mean, everyone can have an opinion. I mean, they can be wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey, if you ever hear this, I just want you to know that I love you. But <laughs> come on. We, we blame Jenny McCarthy. It, it's her fault, okay? You, you were just... <laughs> You know what? What what, what 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 the woman says goes usually. So I'll 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 let you have that one, bro. That is not a rule I will disagree with. Let it be known. Let it be heard. <laughs> the woman is always right. Yeah, it's 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 what's what I'm learning since since getting married, bro. <laughs> I'll get there. I promise. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, that definitely sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'll have to check that out. I mean, like I said, movie movie games are usually not good, but uh, there's like the occasional odd gem, uh, especially you know, kind of, kind of retroactively. You can appreciate things about games today that you know when it released. But my final pick is also a movie tie-in, oh, um, and it's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, now most people when they talk about the Harry Potter video games, the favorite is usually Chamber of Secrets. Like among Harry Potter fans, I mean that that is the one that is usually considered the highest tier. And I've played Chamber of Secrets, but for some reason, Prisoner of Azkaban always comes to mind. Um, it, it's a really short game, actually. I played through it all like really, really quickly, and there's not a whole lot else to do besides the story. I mean, you can collect the wizard and witch cards for the the chocolate frogs, but 
other than that, there's a not lo- not a lot to do. But um, just just the gameplay was phenomenal. It, it's kind of Zelda ask actually. Really. Yeah, it 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 incorporates you know puzzle solving and and, and the later Harry Potter games after this kind of went downhill. They went more action oriented and then exploration and none of them were as good as the first three, which kind of had this yeah very Zelda esque gameplay. I wouldn't be surprised if it was inspired by it because you had these dungeon areas that were spell challenges where you learned and you learned a new spell there and then you would use that spell to solve puzzles and then eventually fight a boss. Um, and, and what was cool about Prisoner of Azkaban was that you could switch between Harry, Ron, and Hermione. It was the first game in the series to let you do that. And they each had different spells that the other ones didn't. Um, nice. They each had different abilities as well. Harry could jump on between... Uh, Harry is the only character who could jump and had the Zelda you know, auto-jump between ledges thing. Um, Hermione could fit into small holes un- or underneath grates. And Ron could, like search through bookcases and and find hidden passageways you kind of got me wanting to go check it out because growing up i was never too big on the harry potter series just because my parents weren't too keen on the idea of me watching something that was witchcraft based oh no you had parents like that yeah but it's all right i'm 23 now they can't say much about it but (laughs) what uh what console was this on this was on the gamecube ps2 and xbox um, which I, I recently replayed it on my Xbox 360, um, one of the one of the Xbox games that's compatible, and I had a blast with it. I, re- I jumped right back into my childhood. I mean, it doesn't stand up as well as I thought it did. I mean, the graphics are kind of iffy, and and the voice acting is not the original voice actors, and you can tell. And it, it's a very short game, and it's uh, and it's not as big. I remember exploring Hogwarts before and, and thinking how cool it was to go in on, on every floor and, and explore. And, and it did, definitely didn't seem as big as compared to a lot of modern day games. But nonetheless, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I enjoyed going through each part of the story. And I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I read all the books, watched all the movies. I used to be like obsessed. Um, I mentioned this in our Lego Harry Potter episode. But... Um, I, I, I thought it was phenomenal. Just as a standalone game. You don't need to be a Harry Potter game. I mean, I think it's really a lot of fun. Um, and, and maybe Chamber of Secrets is better, but I haven't played it in a long time. For Like I said, Prisoner of Azkaban is the one that, that stands out to me for some reason. Well, I do have a PS2 here at the house, so I can't imagine not getting on Amazon in the morning and trying to see how much this game goes for because... You know, when you say that it's... Uh, well, I'm getting deeper into Harry Potter because I've started watching the movies. Um, I'm on, uh, I think, Chamber of Secrets right now. I'm on the second movie. And I've started reading the first book. And I gotta say, I love it. It is yeah. amazing. And it is so cool. I think... It only gets better, bro. Man, I am just so excited to get deeper into it. And I, I tell you what. Man. <laughs> oh, it's great, man. Oh. Prisoner of Azkaban is by far the best film, I think, in my opinion. Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 and Part 2, Part 1 and Part 2 are really good, but uh, Prisoner of Azkaban just has this awesome direction that Alfonso Cuaron goes in that's just completely unique, and it sets the tones for the later Potter films, because the first two movies are kind of hallmarky, but they really darken, um, which is good, because the series later matures, and so, you know, kind of setting that dark tone was good, and we'll we'll talk about that, because um, with Collateral Cinema, 
Prisoner of Azkaban is actually going to be one of my picks for next season. Just a just a sneak peek. Just letting that out there right now. We'll be talking about that. Well, I tell you what, man. I oh, I you know I had a dream one time where I after seeing the first movie, I had a dream where I caught the golden snitch. Oh, really? Yep. I I, I wasn't doing anything related to it, but I just found it. I think I was like walking down a sidewalk and I found it and I was like, man, I, I got to finish this series. Yeah. I got to do it. Y- you know what was one of the best Harry Potter video games to ever come out? Please tell me. Quidditch World Cup. The whole game was just about Quidditch and it is actually really, really good. Uh, a lot of like uh, Harry, again, it, it's kind of held in the same regard as Chamber of Secrets among Harry Potter fans. It, it's a legitimately like pretty good game. Um <laughs> And I remember playing that on the GameCube as well. Quidditch World Cup. Man, I, I want to play Quidditch, even though I know it's probably not possible because, you know, we can't fly on brooms. No. But <laughs> that that game looks like it's so much fun. I I mean, it, it's aggressive at times, and I wouldn't want to get flung into a pillar. But, you know, it's worth the sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Quidditch, Quidditch World Cup was a lot of fun as a as a game because you start as you start in Hogwarts and then once you finish the Hogwarts section and and win the house you know the Quidditch Cup, then you can get the um then 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 you move on to the world, and you can play as a, a team from England or from USA or from Bulgaria or Ireland and and you can win the World Cup, the Quidditch World Cup. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, FIFA for magic lovers, it's great. <laughs> yeah, and in in each team has like different um, special moves you can use. Well, I think you sold me, and maybe not just. Oh, I mean, definitely, I'm gonna try this Harry Potter game now. But you, <laughs> I want to play Quidditch World Cup. I've got to <laughs> because I love Quidditch so much. I love the idea of it. It's like basketball, but for gods. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> or soccer, but for really just act. Oh, man, I'm going to start talking. out. It's British, so it's football. Football. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're going over an hour now, so I guess we'll kind of wrap it up here. But, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun here. It was fun to kind of talk about my childhood a little bit again. Dude, yes, I have got so many memories, dude. I'm going to play Superstar Saga tomorrow. I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to finish my schoolwork and clean up around the house and then it's it's time for some mario i i got and luigi can't forget i love you luigi don't forget luigi's mansion will always be honorable mention there you go (laughs) luigi's mansion luigi's mansion is awesome um and you know martin luigi uh dream team that game is dedicated to luigi because it came out during the the year of luigi yeah that that one actually focuses on luigi which is cool because luigi was always my favorite luigi is always like Luigi reminds me of the bullied kid in high school that didn't get all the attention. He just kind of <laughs> tags along with his older brother. But, you know, Luigi is one of my, he was, he's one of my mains in Smash, actually. He's fantastic. You hit somebody with a proper up B, they're gone. Yeah. Luigi was fun, and you don't unlock him till later in Melee, remember, which is the Smash game I played most growing up. Same. Likewise, that, that's, I, I never actually played, I mean, I've played it now of course but growing up i never even knew that there was a smash for the nintendo 64 i thought that melee was the first one 
Oh, really? Lo and behold, my eyes were opened to getting my ass beat in Smash 64. Because I thought I was, because I was really good at melee, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go in and I'm going to dominate. Oh, I was wrong. Melee is still considered, like, one of the definitive entries in the in the series, um, and it's still played at a lot of tournaments. Like, people still play, and, and people still prefer to play Smash with GameCube, GameCube controllers for some reason. Like, that's how they got used to it. It is 100% the best and easiest and most fun controller layout. I, when I play Smash, I take a GameCube controller with me. I have to. I just absolutely have to. I, I think we can all agree that Ultimate is now the definitive Smash experience because how could it not be? It includes every single character from every game. So, I mean, there's no contest. It's objectively the best Smash game. But we all have memories of Melee and Brawl. <laughs> I mean, unless you play as King K. Rule, then I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> you're fired from life if you play as uh, i mean sure he's a character he's a playable character but if you play as him or cloud you're dead to me <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah guys you can find collateral cinema wherever you get your podcasts we're on apple Podcasts, spotify google play uh, i think we just got on pandora i didn't realize we weren't on pandora so we're on pandora now um we're on youtube i'm actually finally started releasing some of our Let's Plays. I have the uh, Breath of the Wild Let's Play out for our patrons. It is a Patreon exclusive, but part one is available for free on YouTube. If you want to watch the rest, uh, you'll get access to the playlist. Um, not all of it's out there, but I've uploaded um, most of what we've, we've played now. I figured I might as well upload what we have. Um, there's more patron content to come. I'm going to release the Zelda CDI uh, content that we have. I pretty much already have it laid out. I just need to upload it to YouTube. Um, next time, uh, upcoming, we're finishing up season two of Collateral Gaming. Um, honestly, it was supposed to be done this month in August, or last month in August, but we're finishing up in September. We've got uh, a, a few overdue entries, but we're going to get it out before we get into season three in October. Um, so, so much for our break, but oh well. We're, we're having fun doing this, but we're going to be talking about Action 52. Uh, Zach and I are going to be back talking about that. Um, <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> we're not going to have fun, but we're going to have fun talking about it, and I will probably need to be I inebriated in some fashion um, in order to, to even get through more of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy a six-pack just for that episode because that's about what it will take to get me feeling right <laughs> talk about that game. I'll need some kind of an intoxication. I will need lots of weed, and I will need probably alcohol too. You know what? We should, you know, just in celebration, we should drink twenty six beers each and okay. make it an action fifty two for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be badass, dude. Oh, um, we would be gone. <laughs> oh man, dude! I appreciate you having me on again, man. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, after Action 52, we are doing our season finale on Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. I'm super excited about that. I love the Assassin's Creed franchise for all its flaws. Um, it, it's just one of my favorites growing up. Um, I've been playing a lot more of Assassin's Creed 2 lately, actually. We're going to release a Let's Play on that. Um, I've been recording a Let's Play on that. Um, also, surprise announcement, we're going to be doing a launch day episode of... Well, not launch day because it's already out, but 
I don't know what we're going to call it, but we're starting a new segment analogous to Collateral Cinema at the Movies Edition, where we're going to play games like on launch day or launch week and not necessarily play through the whole game, but as much as we can and and, and then just sort of talk about it. Um, and, and, you know, like our first impressions so far, you know, of the game. And so we're going to be doing Marvel's Avengers. Um, I've been playing it, actually. I pre-ordered the game, so I was playing through the beta and actually, I was having a lot of fun with it. The game is getting, I think, a lot of unnecessary hate, but we'll we'll, we'll get into that next time. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and release that, hopefully, this weekend, get that out. I know I've got a lot of shit to do, and we've got a lot more bonus round to catch up on uh, before we move into next season. But hopefully, we'll get on a more regular schedule then. But, um, yeah, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, it's absolutely no problem. I really appreciate you having me again. It, it kind of took me back in time. Uh, minus forgetting the story of Nightfire, you know, that's okay. It's, it's a game I haven't played in almost 13 years at this point. But, hey, it's on my list just because it's it stands out to me, and I put a lot of time in it. But this has been a blast, and I appreciate it, you know, reminiscing on old times, kind of putting me in my video game feels, you know. <laughs> some, of, some of the best games we've ever played, you know, and it's just they stick out. You know, it's super fun to talk about this kind of stuff. And, yeah, I'm super excited. Well, hell yeah, man. Uh, no problem. And I'm happy to have you on more. So, that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Zachary Gio. And we are Collateral Gaming, and we are out. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. <laughs>